Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is uh, Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we thank you for joining us. We come here each week to talk about polygamy and the various aspects of it, and also to uh, get people to try and think, really, would God, uh, would the love of God really command something like polygamy uh, to be practiced? But before we get started on our discussion tonight, I have an announcement. It's about the, the annual Good News Celebration that is taking place this Saturday, day after tomorrow, on September 14th. It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Payson Memorial Park. There's going to be fun and food and music and speakers are planned and it's free and it's family oriented. So bring your family along with you. And if you would like more information, you can go to their website, uh, goodnewscelebration.com. I've been asked to be a speaker uh, during the speaking times, and that will be at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. So I'd like to see some old friends and acquaintances and perhaps make some new friends and acquaintances on Saturday as well. And there, the, the normal monthly meeting for the uh, Utah County uh, support group that is for transitioning, people who are transitioning out of the Mormon religion into Christianity. They are not going to hold their meeting this month. They're asking that everyone go to this uh, Good News Celebration on this Saturday instead of having their meeting. Again, you can go to goodnewscelebration.com for more information. You know, the word polygamy is a general term that depicts a marriage of more than two partners. And that could be either, either a woman with multiple husbands or a man with multiple wives. Uh, the word, we use the word polygamy generally for our culture to describe the practice of plural marriage that Joseph Smith introduced into early Mormonism. And a word that we rarely hear or use that Joseph Smith also practiced is polyandry. Now, there's also the word polygyny, which is actually the correct word to use referring to a man with multiple wives. Uh, polyandry is the word that is used to indicate a woman who takes two or more husbands at the same time. Most people don't know that Joseph Smith practiced monogamy, polygyny, and polyandry. He, in section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, verses 61 through 63, you can pull it out and read it for yourself, Joseph Smith cleverly revealed that it was okay if a man desired to marry a virgin, he would be justified and it couldn't be considered adultery even though he was already a married man. In verse 63, Joseph Smith gave himself and others priesthood authority to marry ten virgins which could not be considered adultery. But the woman was forbidden to be with another man. That was adultery and he threatened that if a woman did that, she would be destroyed. Now, we all know that Joseph Smith was a philanderer. He had at least 33 wives, plural wives, besides Emma. And not all of those plural wives were virgins, as section 132 seems to demand that they should be. In fact, 11 of those 33 wives were married and living with their legal husbands at the same time that Joseph Smith took them as celestial wives. 
Tonight's returning guest is Pastor Jim Catlin. He's the pastor of the Main Street Church in Brigham City. And together we are going to discuss Joseph Smith's polyandrous marriages and uh, zone in on three particular women and uh, her husband as we discuss their lives. So first I'd like to introduce and welcome back our returning guest, Pastor Jim Callan. Thank you again for coming. Great to be back again. Here we are again. Here yeah. we are again. Yeah, and, and you know, we did this uh, at the Capstone Conference last right. spring. Uh, in spring, yeah. And it was so good and it was such a, a treasure of information. We decided we'd present it to our viewers. Well, and it puts a nice, it puts a nice human face on the, the fellas in these polyandrous mm -hmm. relationships. Yeah. That's what we wanted to do. And that, that's yeah. basically what this is going to break a few hearts. At least yeah. we, we hope it does. Um, <clears throat> so what I will do is I'm going to pre present a brief synopsis of three of Joseph Smith's wives, and then uh, Pastor Jim will present the uh, husbands, the other husbands of these plural wives. The, but other, first, the other guys. <laughs> the other, right. But first, Jim, you're going to present the, li the total list the of total the polyandrous list. marriages, right? The total list. And in case you're not sure that there were women who had uh, husbands already, here they are. Uh, starting with Lucinda Harris, uh, who married Joseph Smith at tw 37 and was mar married already to George Harris. Um, Zena Huntington, and uh, Zena Huntington was 20 and also... Uh, it turns out that Zena's sister, uh, Presendia Huntington, 31-year-old, uh, she, she married Joseph Smith also within a month's time after her younger sister did. Sylvia Sessions, at the age of 23, she married Joseph Smith. And on top of that, Sylvia's mother, Patty Sessions, who uh, married Joseph Smith within like a, a couple days' time, I think it is. Oh, no, it was a month's time, um, 47 years old. Mary Leitner as well uh, married him. She already had a husband. Uh, Marinda Johnson, who we'll talk more about tonight, who ha mm -hmm. has a very famous background in Mormonism, uh, who was married to an apostle, Orson Hyde. Uh, Elizabeth Davis uh, was, uh, was already married to Jabez Durfee, so we'll talk about her as well tonight. Uh, Sarah Kingsley was already married to John, John Cleveland. Ruth Sayers, and then finally Elvira Cowles. So that's 11 in total. Smith had, what do we say, 33, 33. extra wives. So a third. One third of a them. A third. So people who claim that polyandry and the multiple husbands is, you know, just a, a just a little here and there. Well, no, a third, a third. of them. It's yeah. quite a third. It's quite a few. Yeah. And each one of those women you mentioned did have another legal husband that exactly. she lived with at the same time that she married Joseph Smith and cohabitated with him as well. Right. So tonight right. we're going to talk about Elizabeth Davis Durfee and her husband Jabez Durfee. Miranda Johnson Hyde and her husband Orson Hyde, and Zena Huntington Jacobs and her husband um, Henry Jacob. So Elizabeth Davis Durfee, first of all, she was the wife of Jabez Durfee when uh, she became the eighth polyandrous wife of Joseph Smith. Now some historians will say that there was no sexual activity between Elizabeth Durfee and Joseph Smith, and perhaps they're right, we probably will never know. But well, Looking at that picture, I can maybe see why. <laughs> But historically speaking, Joseph Smith yes. really never ignored an opportunity to right. take one of his uh, brides to bed. Anyway, Elizabeth became an important member of the newly established Relief Society in Nauvoo, which actually served as a front for Joseph Smith's secret polygamy. The plural marriage of Joseph Smith and Elizabeth Durfee is kind of shrouded in some mystery, but it took place approximately in the spring of 1842. She was 51 years old. Joseph Smith was 37 years old, which means she was 14 years older than Joseph Smith. Now, by Mormon polygamous marriage standards, 
she was old enough to be his mother. And this is obvious simply because Joseph Smith married two 14-year-old girls himself who was half his age. And Elizabeth continued to live with her legal husband, Jabez, after she married Joseph Smith. We don't know if Jabez knew that his wife was married to Joseph Smith, but it seems highly unlikely that he wouldn't have known or at least at some point have found out about it. Elizabeth was known as a mother in Israel. She played a highly and a very secretive role uh, in helping Joseph Smith add to his ever-increasing harem. Her job was to recruit more brides and help arrange uh, new plural marriages for Joseph Smith, and that is exactly what she did. It's doubtful that Emma ever suspected that her friend, Elizabeth Durfee, was a plural wife to her own husband, or that Emma knew Elizabeth actually arranged marriages of other and younger women for her husband. And if she had found out, I'm sure she would have suffered a lot of heartache and grief to know that. Um, historical records show that Elizabeth was an influential woman and that she used her influence very well. She invited Emily, sisters Emily and Eliza Partridge to her home where she introduced the sisters to the shocking subject of spiritual wives which they called celestial marriage. And Joseph Smith had already approached Emily Partridge. Mrs. Durfee was at work pressuring Emily to accept his proposal. Elizabeth continued to deliver Joseph Smith's plural marriage proposals to other young women and faithfully convinced them to become his plural wives. We wonder what coercion that she might have utilized as she converted these young women to Joseph Smith's polygamy because sometimes it wasn't easy. It seems obvious, however, that she knew uh, and saw Joseph Smith as an infallible leader and she was eager to do everything that she could safely do to promote polygamy for him. And in those early Mormon days, all leading Mormon women were expected to promote the cause of polygamy. In fact, it was considered identical in importance as to the cause of the church itself. Now, tell us about Jabez. Well, Jabez or Jabez, or I don't know how to say I'm his name. I'm not sure so how to say it either. I'm going to go Jabez for a while. But um, it's interesting because Elizabeth had a very high profile. She was highly respected. She did all of this, a lot of this work for Joseph Smith with the other wives. Jabez wasn't, wasn't as highly uh, placed in the church in that sense, but he, he was well respected. He, uh, he was trained as a carpenter and a millwright. So uh, through his life, uh, Smith made use of that. In fact, he, he labored at the Nauvoo Temple for about seven years. So he was, he was really quite prominent there. He was, part of, he was a member of the, uh, the Mormon, uh, I like to call him the paramilitary movement, <laughs> uh, also known as the Danites. And uh, he was part of that. He was one of the older men in that. But he mm -hmm. actually, he okay. fought with them, uh, did a lot of what we would call guerrilla-like night fighting stuff with the Danites. Wow. Um, and, and at the time when he was doing that, he was 47. So... Uh, he's one of the older men in the group, but was was really well committed if he's willing to put his life on the line. He was eventually ordained as an elder, got his elder license, um, and also was ordained as a high priest uh, in October uh, in 1836. So he was he was well accepted, but he really lived in the shadow of Elizabeth. I mean, she was she was a doer uh, for Joseph Smith in so many ways. Anyway, um, he he ended up. Uh, when, when Joseph Smith died in uh, 44, things changed very quickly in his marriage with Elizabeth. I mean, she's already been sealed to Joseph Smith two years before his death, supposedly. It's kind of hard to pin that down. But, but the marriage with Elizabeth just goes away after Smith dies, mm. and they fall farther and farther apart. 
we find Jabez going in and doing his endowments uh, in the temple, in the Nauvoo Temple in 1845, and he's doing them without Elizabeth. And this is a very important wow. thing. It's a very mm -hmm. unusual. So you can tell from that point, by 45, the year after Joseph's death, uh, they're very much separated, at least spiritually speaking. He ends up getting, um, uh, getting married to a woman named Magdalena. She becomes his wife for time, uh, as well as Elizabeth is still his wife for time. And suddenly now he has two wives for time <laughs> and no one for eternity. He eventually, in the same ceremony where he gets married to, to Magdalena for time, uh, he decides, well, I need to have a woman for eternity. So what he does is he, he marries, he gets sealed to his first wife who died very young in their marriage. They were just in their 20s and he gets sealed to her for all eternity. So now oh he's my. got someone for wow. eternity. Elizabeth has gone in the church somehow with Joseph Smith and, uh, and it just sort of splits apart. But, but he is a faithful Mormon uh, and uh, Elizabeth is really no longer his and, uh, and they eventually drift apart. Uh, he's asked actually to stay in winter quarters in 1850 to help construction of hand carts and things like that because he's, I mean, he does, he works with his hands with wood. Uh, he's there for some time, but in just a couple of years, he's excommunicated and there's really mm -hmm. no record of why. And he's, he's there helping all these people make their trek out to Utah. He's working tirelessly on their, on their hand carts and he's excommunicated. Uh, he ends up moving to Iowa. Uh, marries a fourth wife after he loses either to <laughs> someone else marrying my wife or his previous wife's dying. And, uh, and he dies in Iowa at the age of 76 and he just never is back wow. together with Elizabeth after Smith dies and she is sort of taken away. And you know, we find that with, with all three of the ones we're talking about tonight, plus others where their marriage just falls apart. It just dissolves. After yeah. Joseph Smith is dead and it just doesn't work. It, it almost gives you the impression, and this is a speculation that all the viewers can go with us, but it almost gives you the impression that these, these husbands, the natural husbands, couldn't compete with Smith's pull in that sense. I mean, from a spiritual perspective, mm -hmm. even after his death. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what they're really dealing with. So I wonder if they're dealing with the jealousy that the polygamous women deal with this, the same. Very similar. Very possible, yeah, huh? Yeah. Okay, our next one is Nancy Marinda Johnson and her husband Orson Hyde. Um, who is a high-profile per person in the early Mormon church. She was 15 years old uh, the first time that Marinda Nancy Johnson laid eyes on Joseph Smith. And she had heard already some very negative stories about this so-called prophet Joseph Smith. And she was shocked when she learned that her parents had converted to Mormonism and disappointed that they had actually invited this Smith person into their home uh, for family worship. Well, she was ashamed for them, wondering how they could believe in such a ridiculous fake as she said, Joseph Smith or Mormonism. However, she claims that when she first entered the room where Joseph Smith was, he looked up at her, he smiled, and her heart melted, and she said she never doubted him again. Mm -hmm. Joseph uh, and Emma stayed with the Johnson family for about seven months, and it was during the time they were staring, uh, staying with them that the angry mob of about 40 or 50 men broke into their bedroom during the night, and they dragged Joseph Smith from his bed, and they proceeded to beat him up and tar and feather both him and Sidney uh, Rigdon. Mm -hmm. According to Luke Johnson, who is Marinda's brother, they had Joseph Smith stretched out on a board, they tore off his clothes, and were prepared to emasculate him. 
and they had brought along a Dr. Dennison with them uh, for this very purpose, but the good doctor changed his mind at the last minute and Joseph Smith was released with all of his parts intact. Now there is controversy surrounding this event. Some accounts claim that Smith was getting too intimate with Miranda. Some tradition even suggests that uh, she may have become his first plural wife at that time, but there is little evidence that that actually was the case. But we can't doubt that Joseph Smith may have flirted or made some inappropriate suggestions towards Miranda because that's what he did. Uh, but details remain mystery. It was in Kirtland where Miranda met and fell in love with Orson Hyde, who was a new convert to Mormonism, and they eventually got married. And she was 19 years old and Orson was 29 years old. For the next 15 years, uh, they were years of, of lonely and poverty-stricken separation from her husband as he was away serving on missions. In fact, <clears throat> Joseph Smith noticed that Marinda was living in dismal poverty as a missionary's wife, and so he took her and her two children into his home, uh, which he often did do with the ladies uh, that he proposed plural marriage to. Well, her husband was on a mission to Palestine. Joseph Smith did propose and did marry Marinda Johnson. She was 26 and he was 36 years old. Orson Hyde did not know of his wife's marriage to Joseph Smith and he was terribly upset when he returned home from his mission and discovered that Joseph Smith had taken his own wife, Marinda, as a polygamist wife for himself while he was away. Orson's dignity was so offended that he took himself plural wives of his own. In fact, he ended up taking a total of nine plural wives. Many historians actually suspect that Joseph Smith was the father of Marinda's son, Frank Henry, who was born on January 23rd of 1845. Joseph Smith had sent Orson Hyde on a mission on April 4th of 1844. The conception of her son would have been a month after her husband left. In 1870, when Marinda was 55 years old, she voiced her disgust of polygamy. She and Orson were formally divorced. She'd had enough of the heartbreak and the pain of polygamy, and so they ended their 34 years of marriage. Again, it was another mm. marriage that broke up yep. because uh, after the fact. And, after the fact, And yeah. so tell us Orson's story. Well, gosh, we don't have enough time. <laughs> But but Orson, I mean, if we, Orson was an <coughs> apostle. Um, he started out. He, interestingly enough, he started out as a uh, as a circuit preacher with Sidney Rigdon before the Mormon events took place in 28 and 29. He was uh, he was with Sidney Rigdon, and they were founding Campbellite congregations uh, mm. across the country. And so uh, Rigdon and and uh, and and Hyde were very close friends. Actually, Rigdon was the mentor in a sense of Orson Hyde. But the but I I agree. Uh, Todd Compton said uh, a great a great summary compton says about hyde he's fervent energetic missionary strong-minded man and a forceful speaker so so hyde's a he's a forceful man so anyway he's he's doing a lot he comes to become a mormon and then immediately after following joseph smith uh he's put on the mission trail and in, in <laughs> fact the very first year after he becomes a mormon uh, Joseph Smith tells him you need to go back and go back and do a mission to the Campbellite people that you oh that you planted in Ohio. <laughs> so he went he went back out and that's exactly what he did. He went back to the Campbellite congregations and preached Mormonism instead. Shortly <laughs> after that, that was 31, 32. He's doing a mission in Boston. I mean, the guy's never home. And again, because he is such a good 
uh, good speaker in that sense. By 33, he's appointed uh, clerk to the first presidency. So this guy is a rising star. I mean, he's really, he's well accomplished and uh, and he's got, his, he's got his place in eternity because of his position <laughs> in the church. Uh -huh. So people that criticize the polyandrous marriages saying, well, the wives needed someone who was accomplished in the church. Well, Hyde was, so mm -hmm. she didn't need somebody else. Mm -hmm. I think that's a point you got to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, he was part of the Zion's Camp March to Missouri that helped the, the believers in uh, Missouri at the time, which was a real, it was a leadership forming kind of event for a lot of people, a lot of men in the church. <clears throat> so anyway, he gets married to Mirinda in 34. He's ordained an apostle in 35 by none other than Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris. Wow. The three big guys. This, I mean, he's got all the credentials you need. Uh, when they get to Kirkland, he becomes a clerk there for the high council. Uh, and then, boom, he's off. He does an eastern states mission. So he's a, he's a really busy guy. But when you get to 1838, and a lot of people know this, everything fell apart in, internally in the Mormon church. A lot of the highest leaders in the church fell away. And Orson Hyde was one of the most outspoken against the church in 1838. He, he wrote, he can say, I can say that I have left the church called Latter-day Saints for conscience sake, fully believing that God is not with them and is not the mover of their schemes and projects. Wow. I do really hope that my friends will hasten and get out of Caldwell County as soon as possible my calling now is to warn men to flee from the wrath to come. I therefore, in the fear of the Lord, warn all the honest, uh, I, heart, I, I want to flee out of Caldwell County as soon as possible. And later on, he said of Smith during this phase, why he left, he said of Smith, Smith wants to take this state and he professes to his people to intend taking the U.S. and ultimately the entire world. Ooh. That, and, and he goes on and kind of adds a little color to that. He says, uh, if he was let alone, that is, if Smith was let alone, he would be a second Muhammad to this generation and that he would make, he would make it one gore of blood from wow. the Rocky Mountains to the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. This is Orson Hyde, highly accomplished and insider with Joseph Smith. Three and that's supposed to draw people to the I, I know. Well, three months later, six months later, he fears that he might have overstepped. So he comes back, he comes back, uh, everyone's in Nauvoo at this time in 39, he comes back and he says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, will you let me back in? They have a general conference trial of Orson Hyde and they decide, believe it or not, to reinstate his apostleship after all that, after all that verbiage. So this is a very strong man who's gone through a lot of strong things in his life. So when he said that about Muhammad, he was trying to pe draw people away from draw Mormonism. Draw people away from Joseph Smith. But yeah. there has, I think it was Brigham Young who said that he was North America's Muhammad. Yeah, to draw people to them, I guess. The I parallels are striking. <laughs> yeah, it I is. know, and, and he, he pointed that as well. And as you also mentioned, speaking of Muhammad in the Middle East, <laughs> uh, yeah, Orson Hyde went off to a mission in Palestine. That's and right. uh, he wrote, actually, he wrote a, a sort of an autobiography himself in 1858 in the Millennial Star, and he talked about this going to, uh, to Palestine. It was a three year mission. And so he leaves, it's the spring of 1840, he gets this call during conference to go out to the mission to go to Israel and to dedicate the land. He goes and does that, he's away for three years, and during that three years, uh, his wife and his kids just have the hardest time in mm -hmm. poverty. Um, she's handed from house to house, she's living in a tent. Uh, they, they, they're in Nauvoo, so they're dealing with that, that kind of malaria-like disease that mm -hmm. everyone got. I mean, it's really, really horrible. He's out in Palestine doing all this stuff. There's rumors going around that she's cohabiting with Willard Richards. 
Uh, there's several documents about that. And in the midst of all that chaos that she's in, Joseph Smith steps in and says, I think I need to marry you. While, while, while Orson's over in Palestine yeah. doing God's work, he has no clue. Yeah. He comes back just absolutely flabbergasted. And I think from my reading with a lot of the husbands, I think this is one of the hardest things for me to swallow. How do you do that with a man you've sent to Israel who's done so much for you, and then while he's gone, you just take his wife? Move in on his wife. And I've had, I've had someone tell me, well, they did, he didn't do that for sexual purposes. He did that like for eternity, you know, to, to seal it for eternity. But I said, well, isn't that even worse? I mean, to steal a man for a time, for 40 or 50 years is one thing, but then to say, I'm gonna come in and take her away from you for the rest of eternity. Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> wow. it's very hard. That is. It's very hard to explain. Anyway, uh, we don't have time to go on, but he goes on, he actually, almost in retaliation, starts his own uh, competition of wives. Mm -hmm. uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, I mean, he's just adding them continuously. For instance, he gets uh, wife number six, he's 56, she's 37, he gets wife number seven, who's 21, he's 58. When he turns 59, he gets wife number eight, she's 24, wow. while he's almost 60. And then when he's 60, he gets finally wife number nine, and she's 18. 18. So he goes on this, on this quest to gain wives, and younger and younger as he goes, all the way up to the age of 60. So, uh, uh, That's the way it is in polygamy, that their wives always get younger. They always get younger. In fact, there's a, there's a great anecdote. I'll read this real quick and we'll finish Orson. But uh, Ann Eliza Webb Young, uh -huh. you know, when she wrote her book, she describes seeing a scene in Salt Lake City that included Orson Hyde. And she said this, she said, A few years since, at a large party at the social hall in Salt Lake City, Orson Hyde, here's our guy, one of the twelve apostles, met the wife of his youth. Mirinda, oh with the wife of his youth, uh, the mother of his many children. He had escorted some of his younger wives there. Remember, he had an 18-year-old that he married at age 60. Uh, escorted his younger wives there. And she came with a friend. It chanced they were seated near each other at the table and were compelled to speak. <laughs> and they shook hands, exchanged a very commonplace greeting, and that was all that passed between them. Uh, she, she goes on, it very often occurs that an elderly lady attends a party with friends and meets her husband uh, there who is one of, with many of these younger wives of his and sometimes both she and they have to watch their mutual husband while he plays the agreeable yeah. to some young girl. Sometimes these old and middle-aged ladies do not see their husbands even once a year, yet they may not live more than half a mile apart. Yeah. And that, that's the end of life it's the for Orson and Marinda. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's what she she'd had enough of it. That's why she divorced why him after divorced. 34 years of marriage. She just had yeah. enough of that garbage. Yeah. You know, that stuff goes on today. I yeah. mean, I talk to women all the time who come out of polygamy and they say they just couldn't stand it to watch their husband courting these other women and she can do yeah. nothing about it is, yeah. is what they believe. I'm surprised she divorced him, but yeah. there you go. Yeah. Again, another, another failed marriage. Another failed marriage yeah. because of it. Our next one is Zena Huntington Jacobs. She was the wife of Henry Jacobs, and she was Joseph Smith's fourth plural wife and second polyandrous wife. This story is probably the most heartbreaking of all of Joseph Smith's polyandry, and Zena Huntington is one of the best documented of all of Joseph Smith's plural wives. Oddly enough, Zena was born and raised in a strict Presbyterian family uh, where daily Bible reading was a routine. Uh, in her youth, Zena was considered almost fanatical when it came to morality issues, which causes us to wonder how she could have compromised so sharply mm. from biblical morality by embracing plural wives and plural husbands. 
Remembering the first time that she met him, uh, Zena described Joseph Smith like this, and I quote, he was six feet tall, had light auburn hair, a heavy nose, and blue eyes. His countenance was clear and bright, end quote. Well, she would have been about 15 or 16 years old at the time that she mm -hmm. uh, met him. She was young and impressionable, of course, and probably a romantic. But when Zena was 18 years old, the family moved to Quincy, Illinois. And it was there that she became well acquainted with Joseph Smith. She saw him on a regular or daily basis. After a bout with malaria, uh, Zena's mother died, and it wasn't long after that before Joseph Smith invited her family to stay in his own home. <coughs> Excuse me. It was there that Zena met her future husband, Henry Jacobs. He was handsome, articulate, 23 years old, and he played the violin. Henry and Zena began to fall in love. As, as was often the case, it was during her stay in the Joseph Smith's home that Zena learned some very strange things about Mormon marriage, particularly plural or, as it was called, celestial marriage. Joseph also taught her the unbiblical doctrine that she had a mother in heaven who was the wife of her father in heaven. Her family eventually moved from, the jo from Joseph Smith's home into their own home, and Zena and Henry were doing some very serious courting at that time. Henry and Zena were romantically involved, but that didn't stop Joseph Smith from proposing plural marriage to Zena, but she refused him. She was in love with Henry Jacob, and she hmm. accepted him to be her husband, not Joseph. Well, she probably would have, anyone would have assumed at that time, that Joseph Smith would no longer pursue her hand in, in plural marriage now that she was married to someone else. But Joseph Smith was not that easily put off. Uh, Zena and, and Henry had asked Joseph Smith to perform uh, their marriage ceremony, and he agreed, but he didn't show up <laughs> for the <laughs> ceremony, so they had to get John C. Bennett to officiate the, the wedding instead. But Joseph Smith's retreat was only temporary. It wasn't very long before he approached Zena and told her that the Lord had made it known to him that she was to be his celestial wife. Right. Right. Obviously, Joseph Smith's Lord didn't consider previous marriage vows of any importance, if that was the case. And Zena, of course, struggled with Joseph Smith's proposals. But remember, it was unthinkable for anyone to disobey the prophet. In October, Joseph Smith sent Zena a message. It was his classic, an angel with a drawn sword threatened to kill him if he didn't establish polygamy. She couldn't have known that he had already established polygamy a long time ago. Well, she finally agreed, and on October 27, 1841, Joseph Smith and Zena Huntington Jacobs were married in a secret ceremony. Apparently, her husband Henry did know of the marriage and accepted it because he believed that whatever the prophet did was right, and the prophet will never lead anyone astray, right? When Zena Huntington Jacobs, legal wife of Henry Jacobs, married Joseph Smith, she was 20 years old, had another husband, and was seven months pregnant with her first child. Now, Jim will tell the heartbreaking story of her husband, Henry Jacobs. Oh, Henry. <laughs> you know, to the same extent that Orson Hyde was a very forceful, dynamic climber in the church, uh, Henry Jacobs is a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And he lets uh, polyandry just roll over him. 
and it, this is this is the heartbreak with Henry Jacobs. Yeah. Um, he loved Zena tremendously, and it's it's really clear because we have a lot of his letters. I'll read some in just a second, <coughs> but it's what happened after Smith dies. After Smith dies in '44, you know, Zena is then sealed to Brigham Young. You know, as a pass off, mm -hmm. uh, goes to Brigham Young to take up the wives of Joseph Smith. Um, they remain together. I mean, Zena and Henry are still living together, even mm -hmm. though she gets gets remarried to Brigham Young. Uh, some accounts actually say that Zena got resealed to Joseph Smith a little while after this. So we have some eternal sealing problems going on. But yeah, but, yeah, but, but um, it, it turns out that Henry is okay with all this. He's standing on the side. He's actually helping in some of these cases. Um, so then in 46, of course, they, they pack up the wagons and they go out toward the west. And this is where things start to get sort of nasty. I mean, in, in a real sense, Zena's not his wife anymore, but they're kind of operating like it is. They move west, they, stay, they leave Nauvoo, they head into the wilderness, they get as far as Mount Pisgah, Iowa, and at that point then uh, something brutal happens that separates, uh, that separates Henry from Zena. Now you gotta remember, they're out in the wilderness, this is not downtown, mm -hmm. um, and, um, and the thing that separates them is Brigham Young. Now William Hall wrote an account in 1852 saying this is what happened. There's, there's some debate about if this is exactly what happened, but there was some massive event that separated the two of them being together on the road. And, and William Hall quotes, this is what he heard that, that Brigham Young said at that time with Zena and Henry on the road there together. It says that, that Brigham Young declared, he said, it was time for men who were walking in other men's shoes to step out of them. Brother Jacobs, the woman you claim for a wife does not belong to you. She's the spiritual wife of Brother Joseph, sealed up to him. I am his proxy and she, in this behalf, with her children, are my property. Ooh. You can go where you please and get another, but be sure to get one of your own kindred spirit. Oh my goodness, so that, that separated, is brutal. That's brutal. Separated them on the trail. Uh, while they're there, a month later, Zena delivers her second child out there in the cold rain in the leaking canvas of, of the tent out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Henry has basically been chased off by Brigham Young through these words. Um, they, finally, they finally make it to Mount Pisgah, and right after that, uh, Henry, who is kind of a loose cannon because of this thing with Brigham Young, coincidentally gets sent off to a mission on Europe while they're still on the trail going to Utah. Uh, he's, he's commissioned, says, uh, you know, Brother, Brother Jacobs, you need to go off on a mission to Europe. And so he goes off. Interestingly enough, Henry's son, Zebulun, writes later on in his life about his father being sent to the mission in Europe in the midst of this of this pioneer trek where his mom and these little kids are you know, having tremendous trouble. Mm -hmm. Zebulon writes later on, he says, my father started on a mission to Europe uh, and he was that low in health. He was that low in health that he had to be carried in a blanket to the wagon mm -hmm. to start. And he went in full faith and he done a good work. Even after what Brigham Young did to him, he was still going on missions. And and they never yes. did get legal divorce. The, the, never the did. husband and wife never got legal never divorce. Never did. Never did. So <coughs> it, it's, his, it's him going to Europe, which is really the heartbreaker, because he loves, he loves Zena. Uh, he makes it as far as Brooklyn. He's, he's working his way toward Europe. He's actually raising funds as he's going. He gets to Brooklyn. And he, writes to, he writes to Zena, and he writes a letter back. And this is one of his first letters that we have. He says, Zena, I've not forgotten you. My love is as ever the same and much more abundantly and hope that it will continue to grow stronger and stronger to all eternity, worlds without end. Oh my goodness. Did, didn't he get the memo about <laughs> she's not sealed to him anymore? Uh, and he goes on, he says, I remain 
Uh, as ever, your ever affectionate husband in truth, Henry B. Jacobs. Wow. Ah, he finally makes it from New York. That's the New York letter. He goes to England. He's in England. Uh, Zena and the boys uh, leave Mount Pisgah. They finally make it to winter quarters. Um, and by the time she makes it to winter quarters, she is now openly living as Brigham's wife. And this is, this is a shocker to a lot of people. She's openly living as Brigham's wife. There's about five or six people to a tent. Zena's really sick. She's been sick for three months. I mean, it's really, if anyone studies missionary travel, the Mormon church, it's a horrible time. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Henry's over doing his thing in Europe at the time. Uh, so he writes a letter from England about 1847. This is nine months after he's left home. He left her on the trail to Utah. Nine months now, he's in, he's in uh, England. He writes back. He says, kiss my little ones, tell them about their father, and send me word about Zebulun. Oh. So he, ah. He's homesick. He's homesick. He said, and, and yet, while he writes that letter, he doesn't know that she's actually living in the house of Brigham Young. I mean, they're, they're together visibly on the trail there. Uh, a little while later, month after that, he writes another mission letter from, from, from England. He says, he says, whether in life or in death, whether in time or eternity, Zena, my mind never will change from worlds without end. No, never the same affection is there and never can be moved. Bless my dear little son Zebulun and Henry, and with a holy kiss give them to me in the name of the Lord, for I do love my little lambs. Hmm. Oh, the feelings I have for them and you, they cannot be told. Poor guy. I know. You just break your heart. He, he continues to go on. Um, it turns out it turns out that news of Zena living with Brigham Young makes it to uh, a sister-in-law that lives in New York. And so when when Henry comes back from overseas, it's the first place they go is in her house, and she gives word to him about the fact that they're that she's living with Brigham Young, hmm. and he's crushed by it. And there's more letters that he writes after that. But this poor man is basically steamrolled by polygamy, by polyandry. He mm -hmm. never gives up his love for his wife. He ends up, uh, actually it's sort of legend, but he ends up living at the end of his days partially in California in the gold rush and comes back to Salt Lake City and lives in an unused room of Zena mm -hmm. in Salt Lake City and dies. Wow. It's tragic. And it's you, just tragic. you know the tombstone, uh, she's up at, buried up at the cemetery. Yeah, right. And this, it has her listed as Zena Huntington Jacobs doesn't mention Joseph no Smith, and it doesn't mention Brigham Young. Oh, yes! <laughs> that makes me feel good for Henry. <laughs> for yeah. Henry, yeah. but it's still kind of deceitful, isn't it? Yeah. So that's the story of the three couples that we chose to talk about tonight. There are three of Joseph Smith's polyandrous marriages where there was plural husbands on the one side and plural wives on the other. Right. Uh, we're going to open up our telephone lines now if anyone would like to call in and um, make some comments or ask questions after the break. Uh, we have a short message, and after the break, we will show you a bibliography of where we got most of our information. So right now, we have our message for you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. 
We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? Jim Catlin and I have been talking about three of the polyandrous couples that Joseph Smith was involved in. Uh, not only did he have 33 plural wives, but 11 of those women were already married and living with legal husbands. Uh, the bibliography for the information that we got, um, most of the information uh, that we that we got, to, uh, most of the information <laughs> we got from In Sacred Loneliness, a book written by Todd Compton, he's a Mormon historian. Uh, we also got get some of our information from Nauvoo Polygamy, which is a huge book written by George D. Smith. Great book, yeah. Um, Mormon Polygamy by Richard S. Van Wagoner. There's a website, wivesofjosephsmith.com, where you can also go there and get this information. Uh, all of these books and the website have the historical references and footnotes and all the information that you need to do your own research to find out if these things are true. And I also understand that, at least for a time, um, Ancestry.com, the LDS website, mm. also had these names yeah, listed. Whether they still have, they're up or if they've taken them down by now, I don't know, but they, they did. So it's a, it is a, a definitely a fact that this happened. Yeah. Um, Matthew 19, 9, Jesus said, and I quote, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. You're a pastor, you're a student of the scripture, and uh, what does that mean? You, you get into the scripture rather deeply. If a man, if a man divorces his wife, except for sexual except immorality, for adultery, yeah. and marries someone else, Jesus said it's adultery. But if he right. doesn't divorce his wife and marries another, is that still adultery? Well, it sure seems like it to me. And <laughs> is it, there it, a double standard? Yeah, it's very, hard to, it's very hard to avoid the adultery claim when you look at the, what's going on in the polyander stuff. It's really hard. And this is one of those. So uh, Jesus says if you go off and you marry another woman for any reason other than you know, that infidelity uh, or death, mm -hmm. you or know, death, you're yeah. not really free to marry. But 
that Joseph Smith never got that memo. He, he didn't get it. He changed yeah. what it had all worked. Well, and, and, of course, you already mentioned the fact that DNC 132 says virgins. Right, 10 virgins. Yeah, and uh -huh. we know that the polyandry, they weren't virgins. At least uh, we're pretty sure. Well, a lot of them had kids. They Zena had was kids. nine okay, months, or seven yeah. months pregnant, yeah. so obviously she wasn't. You know, we want to know for our viewers, especially our, our Mormon viewers and our Mormon fundamentalist viewers, what do you think about this? He's your prophet. It Was this okay? Uh, was was this something that if your prophet came to you and or to your wife and wanted to marry her, what would you do? Would you say it's okay? Would mm. you do like Henry Jacob mm. and say, oh, anything that our prophet does is right, even if it's wrong? Uh, tell us how you feel about this kind of action. If somebody else did this and it wasn't Joseph Smith, what would you say about it? But is it okay for him to do it and not for someone else to do it? So call in and let's hear what our viewers have to say about this kind of behavior from Joseph Smith. So right now we've got a couple of calls coming in. Uh, we have John calling in on line three. Hello, John. Yes. Um, uh, first of all, I'd like to say, Doris, I'm really thankful for your show. Um, we really appreciate it every week. We watch every week. Thank you. And, uh, you're really a gift from heaven. Uh, for those in Salt Lake City, I just wish that they would, uh, everybody was watching your show. Especially maybe the Attorney General, but they could do something down there. But the question that I had for uh, Jim was, um, and, and it was right when I was calling, uh, where he got his information from, was that those three books, Sacred Loneliness, Nauvoo Polygamy, and I didn't get the last one. Um, or uh, the, the main sources right, of right. information that he got. <clears throat> that one particular book that I could buy that would have all those uh, wives in them, so I could uh, document that for people that ask me. Uh, it was Mormon Polygamy by Richard Va S. Van Wagner. Van Wagner, uh -huh. yeah. 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 If you're going to only buy one book, I I love uh, George Smith's book, Nauvoo Polygamy. It's a big uh, it's a big fat volume though. Yeah. Well, they're both big. Todd Conference's yeah, book Todd's is also big. Too, big. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I would recommend Todd Compton's book. Well, <laughs> Todd Compton's book. They, they are, yeah, they're both good. They, and they, and they, both both, good. they both take an honest approach to be exhausted. Yeah, So exactly. that's really great. Do they have uh, the pictures of these uh, um, women in them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. Do they? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to know. And like I said, I want to thank you again and all the work that you do and and uh, all the, the work that Jim does. It's, it's really wonderful. Thank you. Well, you came in. I don't, I don't think anybody in Salt Lake City really knew what was going on. And I wish the Tony General would do something. You know, it's terrible that they're letting it still go on, oh. even today, and they don't do anything about it. Yeah. Well, they have arrested the one guy down there, but they should go down there and arrest all those guys. Yeah. Well, thank uh, you, you, John. Know, a lot of them are good child molesters, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it's well, a tough. It's a tough thing. We're praying really hard for God to do something, and we believe He's going to be doing something for sure. Okay. And well, thank you very much. And, thank you. And it's nice talking to you. Thank you for calling. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Hmm. Okay. We have Pauline calling from West Valley. Hello, Pauline. Yes. You're on the air. Uh, hi, Dora. Hello. Uh, I was wondering. Um, my daughter uh, runs a cleaning business, and she ran into a young girl that had got out of polygamy, and she can't even cash her own checks or anything. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we need to get some help for her. She's only been to the seventh grade, and she's scared to ask anybody. Would you leave the your... Daughter, Pauline, would you... Daughter has to help her. Pauline, would you leave... Her, 
Pauline, would you leave your telephone number with the operator? The operator, instead of hanging up, let the operator uh, get you back on the line. Leave your name and telephone number with her, and I'll call you tomorrow. Okay, I think she has my number in case we got disconnected, but I appreciate it very much. Yes, yeah. I'll call, and, and we can discover what's the best way to help this girl. You betcha. That's what we do. Okay. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for calling. And if there's any other viewers out there who knows of, of a, someone from a polygamy group who wants help getting out or has gotten out and just is, is kind of fumbling around with trying to get into society and what the world is all about, let us know because that is exactly what our ministry is all about is to help people get out of polygamy and to know the truth as well. Yeah, and you know, the plight that she described about not being able to cash checks and seventh grade, that is so common. That's normal. It's the common thing. Uh -huh. yeah. They don't know how to do anything with yeah. uh, the, just that we take for granted. We I'll take for granted. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Our telephone line is open. Our phone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We'd love to hear from you. We do have um, a, a couple of other uh, people while we're waiting for the phone calls to come in that we can talk about. And one of them is Prezindia yeah. uh, Huntington Buell, who is Zena's sister. Zena's sister, yeah. And he married her a couple of months later, and she was a married woman as well. Yeah, so we now we have two sisters who are both married and both married again to Joseph Smith. Married again. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is that the Bible forbids adultery, forbids right. polygamy, and forbids a man to marry sisters. Sisters. And here we got it. And he's got uh, all three yeah. of them all in one crime. Is in just so That's right. This is a very efficient marriage. violation going on here. <laughs> yeah. Emmeline Wells uh, wrote about um, Persindia's marriage to Joseph Smith. And this is what she said, and I quote, that in the fall of 1841, Joseph himself taught the principle of plural marriage to Sister Persindia. She knew Joseph Smith to be a man of God, and consequently, she accepted the sealing ordinance with Joseph as a sacred and holy confirmation. Now, I want to stop right there hmm. and ask you what you think of these two statements, that she knew Joseph Smith to be a man of God. Here he is proposing marriage mm -hmm, to her, mm -hmm. and she's already married. So how can right. he be a man of God? And how can this be a sacred and holy confirmation? Yeah. Well, see, clearly... She's not using any good biblical standard to test either the prophet or the doctrine. <laughs> right. Because she's, she's persistently saying, well, you know, Smith is a prophet, so I guess I'll trust him on this other item of, of polyandry even, polygamy. Uh -huh. And so the easy, the easy thing that we could commend to people doing is saying, get the Bible and use that to judge the people who claim to be prophets. Mm -hmm. Before you just say, well, I need to do what the prophet says. Mm -hmm. uh, well, wait, see if he's a prophet first. And yeah. if, if Persendia had done that, she would have realized, number one, he wasn't a true prophet. And number two, what he was asking her to do was against the Bible. Was against Sacred, not even close. Right. Yeah. And, and the Bible tells us to test the prophets, mm -hmm. to test the doctrine, and to test the apostles. Right. Which presumes there'll be false prophets right. and false doctrines and, and false, false apostles. apostles. So, you know, exactly. you got to be on your toes. And the only way to judge is using the Bible and not by a, a you know, fuzzy feeling. Uh, not by a feeling and not by somebody saying, yeah. I testify that this is true because right. if, if their testimony is not according to the Bible yeah. or God's testimony, yeah. then yeah, exactly. it can't be true. Yeah. Okay, line one, we have Sharon calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Sharon. Yes. Um, 
Doris, it's nice talking to you. My uh, mother was a Whitney, and she was mm. actually one of her ancestors was Newell K. Whitney. Uh-huh. And I read that he was married, that Joseph Smith was married to Newell K. Whitney's daughter, Sarah Ann Whitney. Do you uh -huh. know anything about uh -huh. that? Uh-huh. He was. That's true. Okay. He was married to her. Okay. That's I just wanted to know. Yeah, but he's, she's in the list of his 33 wives. <laughs> uh, is it true that they took all that list off of uh, the family search? I mean, because I have verified them all one time, but then I heard somebody else say that they had taken the list. Yeah, I, I've heard that they've taken it off, but you know what? I haven't checked myself. The last no. time I checked, it was still on, and but that was quite a while ago. I haven't checked recently, so I'm not sure if it's still on or not. Now, was Sarah Ann, was she only 17 when she married? She, if I recall right, I don't have the list in front of me, but if I recall right, she was pretty young. Okay. And you know, and people, oh, were they married? And people you know? might, I mean, people well, might, I guess until he died, right? well, he was killed in 44, and so she was one uh -huh. of his widows. But you know, people might think 17 was kind of young, but you have to remember that he was been, had been 37 probably about that time, so he was more than twice her age. Right. Yeah. So that was pretty young for yeah. him. Okay, but thank you. Aha, uh -huh, thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. Okay, so, uh, we have Sarah, Sharon calling from Tooele. Mm -hmm. Hello, Sharon. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. You're on the air, Sharon. Um, I just had, a I, I confess, I just turned the TV on about five minutes ago, so I'm not really into the whole, uh, you know, like the whole discussion. But um, you mentioned two things, and you were discussing the scriptures, and you were talking about... Um, infidelity, that the only um, uh, excuse, or if you will, a reason, permissible reason for divorce was infidelity. But, but doesn't the scripture say um, that it's fornication? And my understanding of fornication is estrangement. In other words, um, fornication could be if your spouse is straying from God's law uh, uh, rather than just a sexual sin. Nope. You want no, to explain it's that? it's very sexual. It's it's sexual activity outside of marriage. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. one other point is when you mentioned that ten virgins and that they obviously weren't virgins. Virgin would mean pure. That they were pure, not necessarily have never having uh, been with a man. Well, what's the difference? Isn't that what a virgin is? Somebody, if somebody if somebody hasn't been with a the man, they're a virgin. I mean, in the, within the bounds that God has set. What? Well, did you catch that? I think you know what we're what we're doing, Sharon. Well, well, I believe, I think that you can be pure and still be married and having and and raising a a, a valiant family and and stuff within the bounds within God's law. I don't think that you become impure just because you're married. And well, so that doesn't. That has uh, uh, that has uh, nothing to do with impurity, Sharon. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up and let Jim answer this really quick because we're getting to the end of our time. But thanks <laughs> for calling. Yeah, I, we were just reading what what Smith says, 
in DNC 132, he says virgins. Virgins. And when you look in the context, he's really meaning sexual virgins. He's just not meaning nice gals in right. that sense. So. Right. And it, and it doesn't say that you're impure if you're married and have sex. That, there's yeah, nothing that, ever that's that says not it that. At all. Okay. You know, one last thing I just want to let you know before we take off. In the first, in the first year of polygamy, in Joseph Smith's polygamy, uh, this polyandry was the norm. Out of the 11 women, the first 11 women he adds in his polygamy, the first nine of them, nine of them that first year, are polyandrous. Are polyandrous. So in the first year of polygamy his... for Joseph Smith, polyandry was the norm. Mm -hmm. It was the normal thing for him yeah. to do, which, other than Fanny Alger, you know, other the 16-year-old yeah. in the barn. Well, uh, we are towards the end of our show right now. I'd just like to close by saying that it's awful strange that the LDS and the fundamental Mormons each claim to be the exclusive kingdom of God. And Jesus said that the kingdom of God is not of this world. Um, if, if it was the kingdom of God, wouldn't, it, wouldn't they be marked by joy uh, and peace rather than by abuse and depression and suicide, which Utah is highly uh, ranked in this nation. So we just would, would say to our viewers to reject religion and reject reg regulation. God wants relationship. He doesn't want religion. Uh, the Bible teaches that the laws and the ordinances of the law was nailed to the cross. So we're not under the laws and ordinances. We're under grace. And if we try to earn eternal life by the law, then the Bible says we're under a curse. So give it all up except Jesus. Accept him and then you will be in his out of this world kingdom. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.